We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's a under on the number of minutes before trying to do this on Zoom screws up the podcast. This is the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast. My name is Elliot Smith. You can block me on Twitter, Yankee Gunner. Um, I have like five minutes at the absolute most, but for those of you listening to this as a podcast, hopefully it just sounds like our podcast. And for those of you who are patrons and watching this, first of all, thank you for being a patron. Second of all, why are you watching this? I think what you are going to see is that there's a reason this is not a video format, but we're doing it. We promised we'd do it. And if there's one thing I always do other than interrupt, it's keep promises. So this is exciting, though, because it is the start of a new season. We have a podcast episode every day this week, some on the main feed like this one, some on the Patreon feed. But regardless, what we're going to do today is make predictions as my witty intro or less witty intro indicated. And the way we're going to do it is with over-under. So if you are not uh, a gambler, first of all, congratulations, uh, but you may not be familiar with over-under. So the way over-under works is... You set a number, and then you say whether the outcome will go over that number or under that number, and that is why they call it over-under. Pretty clever. Uh, so, I will give you an example. Over-under 4.5 podcasters on this episode. The answer is under, because there are just four. One of them is Tim. You can find him on Twitter, at Stilberto. Hello, Tim. Hello there. Hello there. We are waving at each other. Those of you who are not seeing it. That doesn't really help much. You can find Paul on Twitter. Pause my pants. Hello, Pause. Woohoo. Pause has a picture in the background of Arteta holding Ceballos in his arms while Lampard uh, uh, walks away in defeat. And Clive's on Twitter at Clive AFC. Hello, Clive. 
Hello, hello. Hello, indeed. And Clive, the beauty of this, as we did uh, at the beginning of the podcast when we were setting all this up, is that now I can see the actual microphone issues we are working with to understand what uh, compression settings I will need. I do want to clarify, I don't know what compression settings are. So uh, if we sound a little more jocular and jovial than usual, it's because we're seeing each other's beautiful faces. Um, some faces may be more beautiful than others, and I'm excited to do this. So what we're going to do, we're going to pick some league uh, stats for the team. We're going to pick some player league stats, and then we're going to do some um, end-of-season awards that we're going to predict. So let's just recap this season that was, um, because that gives you a good barometer for what we're going to be starting off with. Obviously, Arsenal finished eighth. We had 56 points. Our expected goal difference for the season was minus 7.1. We scored 56 goals. We conceded 48. Our league-leading scorer was Aubameyang with 22 on just 14 expected goals. We have brought in Willian. We have brought back Ceballos. We have not really done anything else, although we anticipate some things will happen. Um, but we're not going to project those. Well, I'm not going to project those into this, the stats that I picked. So everybody's set for this. Should we get get off and running? Mm-hmm. All right. What I should mention is that we are going to actually keep track of it this time. So our shit opinions are on record, and then we have to revisit them at the end of the season. Clive looks particularly unhappy about that. And then uh, we will also have sporting. a listener participation uh, opportunity on the old uh, Patreon where you can fill out your over-under as well. So league finish. I am going to set the over-unders. I'll set it at 5.5. Tim, I'll start with you. Will our league finish be over 5.5 or under? And to clarify with this one, because it's hard, I would say over means better than or under means worse than. Does that make sense? So if you say yes. over, you think we're going to finish better than f- uh, five and a half place. So 5.5, over yeah. under. Yeah, over. Um, I I think we might finish fifth, but I... <laughs> I, I think we're going to really battle for fourth, and I hesitated on fourth because I um, I don't think Chelsea have got the right manager to integrate all the talent they've got. I think they'll be in the battle for fourth again. Same with United. Um, I think it would depend on what business they do as well. I don't see them being much, much better. Um, it'd be interesting to see what Spurs do, obviously, but I think we're right in the conversation for fourth, but I think we might finish fifth. Nevertheless, that's over 5.5. Yeah, I, I think um, the only unfortunate part with setting it at 5.5 is it gives you the out of not having to pit, a, put, pit us, put us into the top four. Uh, Clive, I imagine uh, you would like to put us into the top four, so why don't you go ahead and do it over under 5.5. Yeah, we're going to finish fourth, so over. That is um, over. I think yeah, two points are bang on, and I just think there's a lot of excitement around what's happening at Chelsea, but you know the manager hasn't really got a system. He hasn't really got uh, a, a way of playing. His identity is based on younger players coming in, and he's done that. Now those younger players can be pushed to the side, so now he's going to have to manage younger players, not very, very happy. And now he's going to have to integrate people into a system where he's got too many players in top end of the pitch. But Chelsea's story is not told yet. They will sell some people, definitely. Manchester United, well, they've got an idiot manager. Oh, sorry, they've got a manager that's maybe not that good. <laughs> um, and... They've got lots of speed up front. Everyone knows it. So everyone's, going to, everyone's going to sit there and drop in against them and make it hard. And Dolly van der Beek, they brought in. Well, you tell me how they're going to use him because I haven't worked it out. And um, and so they created a problem for themselves and from where I'm concerned. And they still got the they got some bloke at left black who 
locked in Kentucky Fried Chicken for six months, so he looks fat. They got another one that's too young. I resemble right, that remark. You, yeah. <laughs> as soon as you, uh, yeah, as soon as you uh, go anywhere near him, he falls over. And uh, on the right hand side, my Musaka is very, very good, as long as you don't actually give him the football, right? So, um, and their captain's in jail. Right, so they've got a few problems at the moment. So, um, so yeah, Liverpool, they've, they've, Liverpool. Yeah, I just feel there are teams around the, around this area that I think we can do something with. I think because we've built a base, that's going to be interesting to see what we do from there. Yeah. So a, a couple of thoughts there. I mean, I look more often than not, talent wins. I think Chelsea have the worst manager of the top six, arguably, um, but. I think they have, outside of the city, Liverpool, duopoly, I think they have the most talent. I think, you know, you look last season, they had a lot of chances, their metrics looked good, and they add Havertz, and they add Werner, and they add Ziyech. Like, they're only going to be more dangerous. And I think Lampard at least is smart enough to not get in the way. He sort of just lets them attack. And that means to me that I think they are going to be impossible to catch. So I I do sort of think it comes down to United and Arsenal, I, I I will pick um, the over, by the way, and, and make mine quick and just say that I also think uh, fifth is where we wind up because I think, uh, well, obviously, Jose's Spurs are going to be a hilarious dumpster fire. I think that much is obvious. I, I, I see Leicester and Wolves being fine, but maybe falling back just a little. I like uh, Arteta to give us a bump. I will caveat this by saying if we do nothing in midfield the rest of this summer, I think eighth is more likely than fourth because... I don't think Ceballos Shaka can play every single game. Well, the minute the minute you have to start giving El Nenny real minutes on a regular basis, I think that's a problem. I think um, you know, one of the things that for me is is an issue also is the back three has looked so good. You guys, we've we've made such progress against the big teams. And I, I think uh Ted Knutson in the Stats Bomb season preview made a good point about this, that we look so much better against the big teams. What I still need to see proven is that we can consistently put the smaller teams under the kind of pressure we need to. We didn't create enough chances last season, and as a result, we didn't score enough goals. And, you know, you you look at the talent and where it is in this team, and it is up front, but we don't have the chance creation and we don't have the, the goal scoring as a result of it. So... Without more midfield, I think we're locked into playing a back three. If we're locked into playing a back three, I question whether we can consistently put the small teams under enough pressure to 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 routinely win those games. I mean, what did we have? Thirteen draws last season. How do you turn those draws into wins? I don't think it's by being tighter at the back. I think it's by scoring that extra goal to win the game. Interestingly, in the stats bomb preview, I think they said that we we had relegation for. So they they listed our performances by um, game state. Right, so when trailing, when even, and when ahead. When ahead, we had something like 37% of the chances or 32% of the chances. In other words, we got dominated in games when we were leading. And I think that is a result of not being able to really control a game, put your foot on the opposition's, um, uh, on their, you know, on them and, and keep them down and and really put them under pressure. Cla- Clive, you want to jump back in? And, oh, no, and then, I Paul, I realize I don't have your over-under yet, so I will come back to you. I'm sorry. So what do you think we need to do to control this game? Well, I think against smaller teams, moving to a three-man midfield, adding more technical skill. Add, I know you're saying basically buy Thomas Party and solve all your problems. I know, I know that's that. where you're going. But, <laughs> but I, I want our, I want someone up front in, in between the lines. Um, you know, you might even say a Mesut Ozilian-type role. I'm going to uh, say something to you now. Please right? do. Mm-hmm. Say something to you now. We, 
whenever we've had a dominant midfield, you need a, well, I would call it a cheap player. Somebody that really attracts two people so you get a numerical advantage. We haven't got a cheap player. Our midfielders are barely can do their own job and do and, and win their own battles. When we get that cheap player, then we're going to get the advantages that we need. And I I don't see that player yet. And I think you're right. But, but I need, when we get into the into the proper football stuff <laughs> about this, I'm ready for I'm ready for you, mate. <laughs> have me. Come have me. And and by the way, looking at you, I, I do believe you could you could take me. Uh, you could have me if if that moment ever came across. Uh, uh, Paul, you're over I'm sure under have 5. you 5. and take you is the same. But anyway, well, um, I, I don't you know I, I don't totally know the vernacular in being taken or had or whatever the case may be. He could do both though. Um, right, I think uh, five and a half uh, on is probably my we, we my can't answer. Rather, finish five and a half. There is no fifth and a half place. <laughs> you just watch us. Um, <laughs> That's like the Harry Potter train platform, right? <laughs> there was a platform yeah. 6.5 or whatever where they went to Hogwarts yeah, yeah. or whatever. Yeah, I'm a big nerd. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Classic. Um, I'm going to go with sixth. Oh, under. An yeah. under from Paul. Yeah, yeah. Um, you are the doomy no- one on the podcast. I've always said that. <laughs> <laughs> if for no other reason, I think I think we're all slightly, we always do this in the uh, prediction pod. And we look back later on, we think, what was I smoking? So I'm thinking... Let's not smoke anything here. Our, I mean, our metrics are that of a mid-table team, and we haven't done anything that fixes that. I mean, Willian isn't uh, – he's, a, he's a, a good option, and I like him and all that stuff, but he doesn't make us better than playing with Pepe. Now, Pepe can be better this year. Um, so uh, – and defensively, I'm not sure we're significantly better yet because the young lads are going to take a season to settle. Um, and even if they don't, I don't see us starting them together for a long time. So basically it's a young lad with uh, whatever other clown show is driving around in their little car at the back. Um, though I think that's a little harsh. I think we're better than that, but we're not, we're, we're not solved at the back. And uh, we've got Danny back in midfield, which again, I mean, in each department, we could be better without signing anybody. I mean, we didn't play Danny that much. And when we did play him for the first two thirds of the season, we didn't do him any favors. So we can be better with Danny. Mm. Um, so I just don't see anything that moves the needle yet. So let's assume we bring in a party and a war or somebody like them. Well, that moves the needle. I mean, let's be clear. Yeah, it does. <laughs> and I think that really addresses the, like, I don't think we've done anything to address the areas uh, and move the needle substantially. That would do it. Um <clears throat> But then we get to get our metrics up to where we might be competing for fifth. Because mm-hmm. uh, right now we're competing with Sheffield United. I don't want to live in the past, but we're competing for ninth uh, and eighth. Uh, and a stretch away from being a solid Europa League uh, contender. Yeah. So I think we have a long way to go. I think it'll take us time to adapt. Uh, if we, it, you know, halfway through the season, would we good, be good enough to be... Uh, a fourth, fifth team, yes, but by then the the boat may have sailed. So I just mm. think there's a certain amount of gravity you can't defy as we get settled in. I mean, the season will have started a month before um, our our two new midfielders have arrived, bedded in, blah blah blah, and then we'll have to make adjustments. So I just think that boat kind of sails a little bit. I see a hand raised. 
which means I don't even have, I don't even have a job anymore. Uh, Tim, would you like to add something to this conversation? <laughs> uh, no, actually, I was just crossing my fingers oh, uh, oh. When, <laughs> when we get out. So there you field. go. This video kind of ruins it after all. Um, the one nice thing about the video, I will say, is that we should be more cogent than ever because no one can get on their phone and just troll social media while the other people are talking, which I've seen you people tweeting while, while we're mid-recording. So, oh, you're playing video games? Um, so... Anyway, yeah, I, look, uh, well, Tim, let me just ask you this real quick as we move on to league points. I mean, isn't the real measure now? I, I, I am willing to believe that Arteta has figured out how to make us a team that's not going to win every big game, of course not, but that can compete with the biggest teams and, and be, if not on their level, certainly in the game with a good shot to win it. I am yet to be convinced that we can do what a big club has to do to finish top four. And I mean, Ar Arsene Wenger routinely got his top four in those, you know, teens years while losing the top six table, right? Like being terrible in the top six table and finishing top four. So it was always done by hammering the bottom half. Are you, are you concerned like I am that that, that remains to be seen from this team, especially in terms of creating the chances we need to? It, it definitely does. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is absolutely, I think, the principal challenge of, of the season. And that's why the midfield is so crucial and what we do there. And actually, I've actually, I'm, I'm quite happy with how we've handled the window so far in that we've actually done a lot quickly. Um, not least because the likes of Mari, Suarez, you know, they were basically already in the bag. Willian was done quickly. And now it's it, it's really obvious what it is now. It's let's buy a midfield and we might have to sell um, someone, maybe even reluctantly, to, to fund it. And I think mm -hmm. we've given ourselves a good lead in time to do that. We've got Sabios back and now it's right. We need that game changer in midfield. We've got to shift some bodies and we might have to shift a big body to do it. And, and actually, I think we've done that at the right part of the window. You're not going to be able to do that at the beginning of the window so i think that's that's just how it is um but yes that is the absolute principal challenge but i'm i, I am so i actually do think willian is a really good addition for this now when we get onto the attack bit i'll go into this a bit more i still i'm still not quite sure how that attack fits together but willian has something that none of our players have had for ages and that's just beating players in a short space he along with eden hazard is big part of the reason Chelsea never ever get bothered by those teams they never mm. got bothered by those teams and it's because they have players that can beat players that can pull defenses out of shape like we used to have with Sanchez for example and Cazorla um, and so I actually do think Willian is is and actually if if you wanted the prototype winger that beats the fullback in the short space Willian is it hmm. um, he might be a bit old <laughs> he might be getting on in years but he is the absolute like that is the prototype of the player. And I, I think for this season, at least, he's going to be a really big player for us, particularly in that respect. I would certainly say that, like, if you have us finishing top four, in addition to what we just discussed of beating up on the small teams, the only possible way we finish top four is if all of the punts we've taken on older players work out, that none of them hit their age regression period, whatever you want to call it, right? So that Aubameyang stays at peak, that William stays at peak, that we get another top season from these aging players. So let's start to move on. We, we can get a little quicker through these because as it stands um, with the number of segments that I have here, we could be done in time for the kickoff of the Fulham game. So um, I will start with you, uh, uh, Paul, since I finished with you last time. League points over under 62.5. And as a reminder for the season, we finished with 56. 62.5, by the way, would have put us 
uh, just ahead of Leicester and just behind Chelsea. So between fourth and fifth place, 62.5. Needed 66 this past season to finish top four. Probably about to contradict myself as my optimism kicks in. Because when I say this, then uh, I don't know how we come sixth. But I'm going to go with 63. Okay. That's just over. Well, yeah, yeah. And, and look, I mean, given the way that United and uh, uh, Chelsea are strengthened, I mean, if United get Sancho and, and Chelsea get these players they've gotten, like 63 points could still be a good chunk off top four. I, I don't know that how it gets you six, but I can live with that. Clive, over under 62.5 points. Oh, mate, we're going to get... We're gonna, <laughs> I'm looking at about 68. 68? Right? Okay, that'll get you top four almost every season. I think around that mark, I just think we're going to turn some draws into wins. And that's what we need. And our ability to hold on to lead and our ability to get that first goal... Is you know it's, it's, I think it's going to improve, and I do think at home, and particularly I think we've got a level of solidity now, and I just think we we just we we look harder to beat, and that we have done for a while. Now we need to just turn the dial slightly, three or four, three more wins into draws, and we're in a different we're in a different place, right? And that's just from this season. So I see us getting that that number of points. Yeah, I mean. Three draws turn into wins. It's six extra points, and right there, you're already at 62. So, I mean, you see how you get there pretty quickly. Tim, uh, over or under 62.5? Over. I, I think high 60s as well. I, I think fourth will be around about the 70-point mark, and I think we'll get about 68, 69. I, I too, think, um, as much as I know the data and the XG is not necessarily saying this, I do believe a little bit in the intangibles and I do think that there is a belief coming into the team. And also I think some of those draws, it's just the run of the ball and it's variance. And some of those draws will, I mean, they could turn into defeats, obviously, but I don't know. I, I tend to think it will, it will go the other way, uh, largely because of some of those intangibles. I mean, setting aside what we said about midfield, right? Like, in order for us to improve a lot, we know one of the things we have to do is create more chances and be better against the small teams. But like certain things, right? Bakaya Saka was just sort of breaking in at the start of last season. Now he's in. Can he take another leap and go from exciting young prospect to prime player in the Premier League, a player that suddenly, can he make a Sterling-esque leap, right? From he looks like he's got potential to holy cow, Saka had 15 goals and eight assists this season and become one of the premier players in the league. That would do it. Can Pepe go from really slow start and starting to come on to 15 goals and eight assists? You know, can one of these players or a couple of them start to make a leap? That does make a difference, right? If we get the same output from Saka, the same output from Pepe, it doesn't do it. But adding Willian and Pepe taking a step forward and Saka taking a step forward, then you start to have the ability to put them under pressure. I still would say, who's putting it on a plate for them? Who's setting them up? And that's the area of the pitch. I don't think against the small teams, you can play the back three and attack the wide spaces and necessarily create that threat. Now, Chelsea do it by letting the wide players like Pulisic and Mount come inside and become sort of like a de facto 10 as they attack. Maybe that is what we do. Maybe, um, you know, it's, it's Pepe gets to drift inside more. We didn't see a lot of that at the start of last season, and we saw more of it at the end of the season, and he looked a lot more comfortable. It begs the question, then, who's going to be up front? Is it going to be Pepe cutting inside, sliding through balls into Aubameyang, or is it another season of Lacazette holding the ball up in midfield? That remains to be seen. I'm going to say that we are 
it's the 62.5 is tough for me because I think that's right about where we land, but I'll say over 63 points, just like Paul too. I think we take a step forward. I don't know that right at the beginning of the season, we're going to be ready to really put the small teams down. Maybe we'll see that come as time goes by. Also, we might get our, we might get party, we might get both. But what if we get them right at the beginning of October? Maybe there's a couple of drop points that wouldn't have been dropped that become the difference between a, a fourth or close to fourth place finish and more of a, a couple points behind. So let's go to league goals. I've set the over here at 65.5 league goals. Let's put some context into that. We scored uh, 56. So this would be nine to 10 points, uh, 10 goals more. 65 point, uh, what did I say? Six, did I say 65? This is the best yeah. section of the podcast. Yeah, 65.5 goals would put us a goal and a half behind what uh, Leicester scored last season. Chelsea scored 69. United scored 66. So just under that range, but a big improvement from last season. I think it will take a much bigger improvement than that to uh, to have a special season. But Paul, start with you. Over under 65.5 goals. And uh, wait, you know what? Let me add one bit of context here that I think might be interesting to the stats lovers. Because we scored those 56 goals, which was terrible on just 49 expected goals. So to get to 65, 66, we would need to add 16 or 17-ish expected goals. Um, and that's basically what Chelsea did last season. 66 expected goals, 69 goals scored. That's a lot of data to throw at you, but fire away. Over under 65.5. I think goals has more variance than points season to season. Um, but it's a big step up. So... You said 65 and a half, 65 is that right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think 66. I, I think mm-hmm. that I think you're right. It's right on the mark. And it's, a, yeah. It's I, funny. I'm not very smart, but I'm good at setting over-unders. Okay. You are. <laughs> I think you're right on the mark. I think, I think 60, yeah, 66. 66. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, Clive, what do you think? We going to score more goals this season? Yeah, we are, but I'm I'm with Paul almost bang on. Actually, um, just an extra ten goals. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're going to be doing a conceding. No, I am. Oh yeah, that's an important I one. Will, I will. I think the identity of the team is being formed, being formed about our stability. So we're gaining stability. I don't think we'll see massive changes going forward, but I think we're going to have more stability. So yeah, just ten goals extra. So. 66. Okay, so it's over. I should have said it 66.5. Then I would have caught you guys. <laughs> Tim, over under 65.5 goals. Yeah, same dilemma because I think that's about where we're going to land. I'm going to say just over because I think we're going to sign um, a good central midfielder. That would make a big difference. I mean, realize that this is historically low goal scoring rates for for, for us. I mean, you know, we've, we've routinely been better than this. And I, I, I think... Some of it is just bound to have. There's too many good players, I think, in the attack. Arteta's too good a coach for our attack to be this limp. I mean, realizing that the 56 goals and the 49 XG, that came, you know, with half a season under Emery. Now, I know the metrics didn't improve vastly under Arteta, but he really had to come in and firefight from the start. He had, four, what, four red card games in there, like three other games or four other games that where he had injury-enforced changes early and couldn't make any other changes late. Um... So I, I do think that there's a lot of room for improvement in this particular area. I am going to say over, and I think pretty solidly over. I could see us getting to 
well, 68 isn't solidly over, but I, I think we can get to 68 goals. I mean, that that puts us in contention for top four. And it, it, I I think, you know, if you look at Chelsea, I think with 69, that's that's right about where it needs to be. Um, But again, I, it comes down to where the chances come from. It, it is, to me, Arteta definitely prioritized closing the door at the back when he came in. And I understand why he did that. So now that we look a little more like we have a little better shape defensively and maybe a little better talent defensively, can he now turn his focus to the attacking half? And I'm I'm betting on him being able to do that. Uh, by the way, when I say betting on him, I don't mean actually betting because I would never put my money where my mouth is, to be clear. Um, now let's do goals conceded. I have this set at 45.5 goals conceded. Last season, we conceded 48. Okay, 48 goals. But just <clears throat> to give that some context... Our expected goals conceded were 56. So we ran real hot on the variance there. Uh, So we were minus 7 XG for the season. So 56 expected conceded, 48 conceded. I have this at uh, 45.5. Tim, do you think we'll concede more than 45.5 or less than 45.5? I'm going to say less, just... Um, and I think my, my rationale for doing that, first of all, yes, I think, def- I, and again, I know the data didn't suggest an enormous improvement under Arteta, but something happened there because we saw it with our eyes as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and the actual numbers rather than the underlying numbers suggested something was going on. I think um, personnel wise, we're better. Um, with uh, with with the signings that we've got, but also we conceded a lot from set pieces, and I think these coaching additions too are really worth mentioning in that respect because they've really highlighted, you know, Arteta has certainly really highlighted set pieces as a weakness, and they've specifically brought someone in um, to look at that. And actually, defending set pieces was something we weren't as bad at under Emery um, because his assistant Carlos, what's his face, Caicedo. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he concentrated on that area quite a lot and, and yeah, and, and we weren't too bad in that respect. So I'm I'm gonna say the addition of two quite big central central defenders as well and, and hopefully very good ones. Um and just having to play the likes of holding Socrates, Mustafi a bit less often um will automatically make us better as well as uh, and Tierney as well. Tierney, I think, you know, he only yeah. really got mm. a little bit of the season last season. So I can see a defense taking shape there. So I, I'm going to say just under. Yeah, I'm going to go under and say 44 as well. I, I think the defense is better, but I, I think we may overestimate how much better. So weirdly under Arteta, Mustafi became very important. He's out. Pablo Marie is out. Uh, Socrates is going. Holding may get loaned out, maybe not. Um it's David Luiz and two young guys that haven't played in the Premier League and haven't played together. And David Luiz, as good as he looked in some of the big games, we have to acknowledge in other games he looked totally lost, totally checked out, total clown shoes. I think the thing that scares me with Luiz is I think that's what we're going to get. And he's another year older. He's not a young guy. I think there will be games where we go, wow, star performance, leader performance from Luiz, and games where we go, oh, he had his clown shoes on today. And I don't know that we have the experience and talent around him to survive those days. So I think it will be an up and down season defensively. The other thing is we had two goalkeepers last season who ran really hot. Um, I, I think Martinez will go. I'm not saying that's what I want to happen, but I think whichever keeper stays, I don't know that the level they played at is what we can expect. I mean, certainly 
they could still be good. And if they're not that good, I mean, you just look at it. Our expected goals conceded was what? Uh, seven or eight more than we actually conceded. So to get to 44 goals conceded wouldn't be a huge improvement in actual results, but it would be a huge improvement if we're closer to our expected. I think the defense will be okay, and I think it will be up and down because I think Louise will be up and down. We'll be incorporating young guys. Mustafi, you know, I think predicting him to stay usable over a long period isn't isn't great. We don't know what we have in Marie yet. So long way of repeating myself to say essentially, I think long term, I love what we're doing defensively. Saliba and Gabrielle, Tierney and and either Maitland Niles or whatever. I, I love that longer term. For this season specifically, I think it's still too soon for it to be a lockdown uh, defense. Clive, your eye roll suggests to me that you have a different perspective over under 45.5 goals conceded. I think we're going to concede about eight or so less goals. Eight goals? So under. So eight goals total, right? I I, I come back to it, right? I come back to it. I just want to be clear. You think we're going to concede eight goals? No, eight goals less than around 40, right? You know, we once conceded eight in a game. (laughs) I come back to it, right? So just think about what we've implemented this year. Mm -hmm. We've implemented defensive systems, Mm -hmm. roles, build-up roles. When we lose the ball, what happens, what we do in possession, what we do out of possession, what our shape is. It's been a big part of what he's done. The people that have come to the fore, return to form, fitness, injury, and who we've bought, you're, you're quite right to highlight the lack of experience. What they do have immediately, and you can see it in all of the videos, and soon as you've seen slavery, what you've got, you've got one-on-one defenders. So you have a chance, depending on where you defend from. Now you have speed and one-on-one defenders. You are not so reliant on David Luiz because other people can can step in. David Luiz's main issue is just his mental stress levels of playing every three days at this age. If you can take him out and target him on certain games, I think he'll do fine. He can babysit people. So I'm happier with the the primary skills of the defenders that we have. They're very easily defined of who they are, which means they're very easy to slot together. Right, so, so I'm comfortable with those guys, and I'm comfortable that we can defend a different area of the pitch rather than being. Only, sometime it felt last year that the the first line of our defence was the last line of our defence. Mm, that's a great point. Yeah, we, we were comfortable with it, and so we conceded shots. I always felt some of the. I'm, I'm not like you, Elliot, but I've shot quality. It's clear. <laughs> shot, <laughs> it's very clear now, right? But shot quality is um is. I, I I didn't always fear the, the ball going in. If you see what I mean, sometimes mm. you let you let a guy have a shot, but you block off half the goal. You know, there's a yeah. way of defending. What you actually don't want to do is actually let them kick it through your legs. That's what you want to stop. You watch defenders now when they're going in. They're going in. They're blocking half the goal. Let the goalkeeper see the ball. They're not going flying in. Now he's going to deflect off them. Half behind the back. You can have this half of the goal. I'll protect the other half of the goal. So shots against. I think these. I'm a little bit dubious about that, right? A little bit mm-hmm. dubious about that. But I'm pretty confident what we have, and I think we're going to reduce it. I think that's going to be a bigger win for us than maybe the goal scored. Yeah, no, that's fair. And look, to be clear, um, you know, I, I think that the one thing I like about expected goals, it's not a perfect model, but it can move you away from something like, oh, we conceded 20 shots because if the XG is 0.2, all right, you conceded 20 terrible shots from the halfway line. So we know that, 
you know, I, I mean, for example, we conceded 48 goals, but the fact that we conceded them on 56 expected goals tells you that like we were giving up a reasonably high volume of good quality chances. And, and I, I do think we, look, I think we're better defensively. I think going into this season, if we want to attack more and we leave ourselves a little bit more exposed, then I'm not sure I trust the defensive talent to be good this year. One point that I should make, and Paul, I'll turn this over to you, but you know, the stats bomb preview made a great point. Um, Jurgen Klopp uh, talked a lot about the gag and press and, and they, they referenced this in the Arsenal season preview. And I think Klopp said that um, no playmaker can create as many chances as a good press. Um, basically saying that if you don't have a playmaker, it's okay, just press and win the ball in high areas. I mean, we, we saw it, right? We don't have a playmaker, but against City in the uh, semifinal and Liverpool in the league, we created great chances just from them giving it to us. That's a great way to create chances, and pressure can do that. But the press is also the way that a lot of teams can protect a dodgy back line by just defending higher up the pitch. Um, Arteta, having studied under Pep, you certainly think would continue to want to develop the press. And I think if we press more, that can solve two problems at once, our, our defensive issues and also our, our chance creation. So if if I was going to be optimistic about league goals conceded and chances, really, it would be that Arteta is able to develop a more effective press and, and maybe Williams a part of that. So league goals conceded over under 45.5? Wow. Um, Toi. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I, I think we'll still be in the same ballpark for many of the reasons you said. Um, like we need to attack more. Um and the underlying metrics, I mean, you can outperform them, but but they have a nasty habit of of biting you in the ass eventually. Um, I don't see anything we're going to do massively that fixes our defensive challenges for another season or so. Mm. Uh, we can make maybe not marginal improvements, but small improvements all over, blah, blah, blah. I think it'll kind of balance out and we'll be around the 48 number. If you look at teams who were... Uh, significantly lower uh, in the league. You're talking about, you know, Leicester had what uh, against 41, mm-hmm. uh, Wolves 40. I mean, they play a particularly tight style of football. She- you know, Sheffield United at 39. So t- the other the side thing of that is Chelsea. Is- Chelsea, who finished, you know, fourth pretty pretty comfortably, sure. 54 goals conceded. But then you yeah. look at it, they only had 37 expected. And all those yeah. top four, 40, 34, 37, 37, like that's that's the cluster in top four. Once you get into the 40s and beyond, you know, it's you're dropping down the table. You are. But there's a big gap between, say, us and Tottenham, 47, 48, and mm. then 40, 41, and the style of play they've had with, mm. with Leicester Wolves. Um, just don't see us uh, keeping it tight while we're trying to play a more progressive style of football and the pressing thing. We haven't been a pressing team. We've been very mid table on our pressing numbers. Yeah, now that's surprising. a stylistic mm-hmm. choice. Uh, and it's, it's surprising as well because you can remember times when we really did press, uh, but it tends to be against those bigger teams. That's, mm. that's kind of how we, we uh, get them with their pants down <clears throat> as I call pressing. Um, so yeah, I, I think, uh, we'll do better than last year, metrics-wise, significantly. Um, but that would only bring us to where we got to in reality this year. I think I think 47, 48 feels about right. All right. I, I have to say, I didn't have Paul pegged as the pessimist on this episode. But I <laughs> see, I see what you're doing. You're protecting yourself. 
That's what this I is. Am protecting You're protecting myself. yourself. And I, I got to say, I, I am here I for I see it. what you do to yourself mm-hmm. uh, after a game. Because like before right. the game, you I, see, I'm you the see, optimist I'm going an optimist. Into <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're like, you're like, you see, I'm the guy who's, hi, I'm the guy who sees us beating them four zero. Yeah. And then and the, we and then have to I'm pick the up who, the pieces. Yeah, that's, that's fair. I, maybe it's because my expectations are higher. My uh, sense of depression subsequently is, is also greater. All right, let's do some rapid fire stuff. All of this is league based. So we'll zip through these a little bit. Tim, Willian over under. 25.5 league starts. Oh, start. Hmm. I'm, I'm going to say just under on starts. A- appearances, I think he'll appear in every Premier League game he's fit for. Mm. Um, but start, so like 12, 12 or 13. <laughs> <laughs> but starts... No, no. Actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna change my mind. I'm mm. gonna say over. I I think I I can't see it yet. I can't see which role he's gonna play. But I I think the effort we've made to get him suggests he is gonna be primed for a big role. Um, that maybe I just can't envisage yet, and all will become clear at Fulham. So I'll say over. Over. Okay, you want to put a number to it? Um, I will say thirty. Mm, that's a lot of starts. Wow. Okay. Can uh, I go next? Yeah, Paul, over under 25.5 starts. <laughs> I want to jump on this before the good num- numbers are taken. <laughs> I mean, I'm looking at last year, only Obama Yang as an attacker got anywhere near that. Uh, Pepe was 22, which is probably a good marker for a new guy coming into the team who can contribute, but they play in the same spot. I just don't see You're under where them. the spots are. I don't know where the starts are. What I'd say say with Willian, though, is he's Premier League ready. He's 32. Yeah, yeah. Not not quite the same. He he is also, like, I'm going to put the jinx on him now. He's actually pretty fit. Um, His his injury record's been very, very good. Um, I fancy him, too. Well, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) it's the hair. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, I just just think they've, they've gone big for him. They've given him three years. I... I think it just means he's, he's going to be a big player one way or another and maybe in uh, several different positions. Okay. Uh, on the basis that his time's running out, I, I, I see the logic. But, like, I'm just looking – maybe I, I shouldn't look at last year's number, but, like, Chaka got 30. Uh, our goalkeeper got 30. To be fair, Shaka would have got gotten 32. more if he hadn't, oh, I don't know, gotten into a complete war with the fans <laughs> over over the holidays. I mean, that that, that didn't help. Um, but but like it, if you ignore Chaka, Luis, and Aubameyang as like they always start, after that, nobody else got 25. Yeah. All right, so what's your number? Uh, yeah. 22. You went big with under, and then you picked a couple games under. Uh, Clive, what do you think? Is William going to start over or under 25 and a half games? Uh, I'd say about 25 games, just okay, under. Wow. Um, you love my numbers. Think, you people love my numbers. Wow. <laughs> yeah, your numbers are about bang on, actually. And I think Tim was going exactly where I was going. I think he's going to have more appearances. I just think it's about how we utilize him. I think we utilize him a lot at home. I really do. Um, and I think you'll get a lot of those starts at home, and that's where we need him when the spaces are smaller and when when teams start to respect us and they sit back, we're going to need that shift and shoot that he's got on left or right-hand side. He's fantastic at that. He's unstoppable. When he shifts to the right side and shoots, can't be stopped, and all he passes off. And he was... I did hear some Chelsea stuff, and I think he's created more chances with Chelsea than any other player last season, and they're going to have to find another way to create chances. They're, 
they've got a few quid in their back pocket, so I don't think they're going to struggle. But this is not a this is not a dead body that we're getting for once from their from their manner, shall we say? Mm. So I think he's going to be somebody we're going to use a lot. Um, but he may not start as much as we slightly think. But I think 24, that number is really good. It's funny. I have dead body stats coming up in a minute. I've labeled them Cedric, but same difference. Um, also, he wasn't a dead body when he left Chelsea. Yeah. But. Uh, I'm going to say William starts on. Under- Unlike Peter Cech, by the way. Yeah. You know, but I felt we got more. Right off. for like a season ish. Um, I'm going to say under, and I think probably substantially under. Um, I'll say like. 16. Jesus. Um, I'm with Tim, and I don't know what his role is. Now, if we try to convert to a midfield three, could he be the more advanced midfielder? Could Saka be that? And then Williams playing on the wing? Could I mean, there's a lot of ways I could see it working, but starting the season, we're going to stay in the back three. And I think you have some, Clive? Yep. What? Come on, have me. Role, have me. I think, <laughs> I think his role is going to be, uh, I think between him and, and Ketcher, we're going to replace Lacazette. So you think he might um, be our sort of false nine-ish guy? I think he's going to be the guy that plays from the left on occasion mm-hmm. or plays number 10 on the occasion. But by doing that, we replace Lacazette by having two other players that can play center forward. Kaskia, how does he play 10 in the in the back three? Um, he, he can play... We, if you imagine on the left as a, then and all but goes through the middle? Yeah, exactly. Like a, one of the Mount or Pulisic type role, right? So... I think that's going to really help us. That square that we need to develop between the base two and the, the two behind the forward. We haven't really got that two behind the forward. We've got a striker who is the main forward, if you see what I mean. It's also one of our creators. So I think there's room for rotation there. So I see that role. I don't worry about his role. I think he's got the right skill set for us to manipulate him in any way we see fit. I think it's going to impact other people's role in the squad, primarily um, Reese Nelson, funny enough. Mm struggle so well tim quick question um william from the left that's something that he's got a lot of experience with is that i mean is that something we projected that's not there or is it there no he's he's done it before it's one of those things he thinks he can do that i've Mm. never really seen him play that well there Mm. um but it it may just be the the system i i still think his his you know his quote unquote superpower is going on the outside and that means coming in from the right beating the fullback in a short space and either, and, you know, he's got a good whip on the ball as well. So like he, he can, I can see him doing that shift and shoot from the left. Um, but he's a bit Maitland Niles in that he hasn't, he hasn't really got a left foot. If you force him on the outside, nothing's happening. William oh. right wing back. <laughs> Maybe. Do you think he'll play 10? Do you think he'll play 10? I could, I'm, I could see that. I could say, so Yeah. Yeah, I'm just curious. So, how do how do we think he's going to get in the team, Tim? Because he's going to be on Pepe's side. Yeah, no, I mean, no idea. But I mean, Arteta did point to his versatility, so that suggests to me that Arteta does see him as someone that can play on the left and and can play as a number ten. And William, as well, himself is keen on the idea that he can play at number ten, and feels he didn't get enough chance to do that at Chelsea. So maybe that's something, but. Mm-hmm. Paul again. Well, if we sell Lacazette, <laughs> uh, uh, all sorts of things happen, right? But if we keep Lacazette, I just don't see enough change in the front line. Aubameyang will start mostly Lacazette and Enkedia through the middle. By a show of uh, hands, who thinks Lacazette will be here when the window closes? One, two, Tim and Paul, not me and Clive. I think he's off. He, 
Yeah. I, I think if we get a good offer, he'll go, but yeah. I, I'm not convinced we'll get a good offer. Interesting. Okay, uh, let, let's move on. And and by rapid fire this time, maybe less than 20 minutes per segment. Um, Clive, William goals over under 8.5. Your numbers are good. Thank you. I do one thing I well. would <laughs> say he's, a, he's an eight goal, eight yeah. assist guy. Mm, okay. I think that's a good number. Um, and I'd be really happy with that sort of number. I would take eight assists for God's sakes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Tim, over under 8.5. I'm going to say just over because Willian is a very good free kick taker. Mm. There's a lot of those now. There's a lot of competition for free kicks for us. If if we get into a penalty shootout, by the way, we've we've got a lot because Willian's a good penalty taker as well. Um, well, if our penalties yeah. against Chelsea or, or, or uh, Liverpool in the Shield are any indication, we're going to win the Europa League on penalties this season. Paul, over <laughs> under eight point five goals for Willian. Uh, just under eight ish, because like to score a lot of goals, he'd have to be on the pitch a lot. Yeah, I'm going to say under. I'll say six, but I do think he could be a, a really good assist or even pre-assist guy, a guy who. Drops in, pulls the strings, gets it out to the wide player who creates the chance. I mean, that's become the thing, right? Like, I know pre-assist is not a real stat, but like that guy who has to drop in between the lines and play an overlapping runner, right? Or play someone in behind the defense, like to then score, to, to then do the pullback or whatever. That, that is a big role and we don't have anyone doing it right now. So I could see him doing that. Um, okay, Aubameyang. Over under, Clive, 21.5 goals. Now, I just want to make a point. He's had 22 the last two seasons. Two seasons ago, it was about 15, almost 16 expected. This past season, just over 14 expected goals yielded 22 league goals. So he's run hot on XG the last two seasons after not doing that much in his career. 21.5 goals for Aubameyang over under. I see about... Numbers really good again. <laughs> I see about... I see around around just over around 22 goals again. Third season in a row, third time's a charm. Around 22 goals again. I think um, as a team, if he does what he does, I think he's just, we need a few more, you know, to get that 10 extra or so from other people. And I think we'll get them. I think we get a couple more from Pepe because I think been more established. And the William guy, he really interests me because although he was always seen, seen as a really good player, you know, Spurs wanted him. He ended up at Chelsea, and he's always been very good for them, very consistent, particularly in the year. I think Marino had a bit of a rough year, and he lost the squad. I think he kept him on side. But I've never felt, it's something that maybe Tim knows, I've never felt he's been given the responsibility, the offensive responsibility, and I think we're going to give him some, some of that. At some time in the stage of your life and career, you're ready for responsibility. You're ready to give more of yourself in a different way. But he's an interesting signing. I think we're going to get a few more from him. But I see Aubameyang, if he goes flat, I'll be, I'll be happy with that because I think the rest of the team is set. Yeah, there might be more goals in the side through development of players like Pepe and Saka and the inclusion of Willian, and that may make up for it. I'm, I'm going to jump in, and I'm just going to say under. And here's the thing. Aubameyang's my favorite player by far. I think he is an exceptional talent. You are not going to keep your money betting on a player to outperform their XG like he has the last two seasons year in, year out. Um, very few players do it. And you'd say, well, he's that good. He is that good. He's never done it in his career. These last two seasons are really it, basically. Um, ironically, Lacazette has done it more than Aubameyang. I think the regression is coming. Now, that doesn't mean he'll score fewer goals because he may 
get closer to matching his XG this season, but if we're a better team, he may get more chances. To me, if he moves central, if we play better, then he might equal his XG this season, but have more chances. His XG per 90 is down because he's just not he's not taking the shots he used to get. He's not getting the chances. I think he's going to go under, and I think it might be in the 18-ish range, but that might be a better season because I bet his expected goals are closer to 18. So what I mean is, I think we'll see Aubameyang in more goal-scoring chances, uh, goal-scoring positions. I think we'll see him getting more chances. I think we'll see him um, just converting them at closer to the expected rate. So actually, ironically, better season of him being threatening, producing fewer actual goals, if that makes any sense. I don't know if it does, but I feel like it might make sense with my limited understanding of how math works. So, I mean, Tim, does that make sense to you, an idea that we could see a more involved, effective Aubameyang who just runs a little cooler on finishing and, as a result, winds up scoring fewer goals while having more expected goals? Over under 21.5. So I, I'm with you. I'm going to go just over oh, on the over. assumption again that um, he started 36 Premier League games uh, this year and the only two he missed was suspension. Um, if he can manage that number of starts again, I, I absolutely think he will. Basically, we've got the same attack, but we've added another attacker. Um, we've also, like you said, got Saka, Martinelli will come back. I, I think we're going to be a better attacking outfit. So I'm completely with you. The, the, the only thing that might influence it is what I referenced uh, about the penalties. There's a bit more competition for penalties <laughs> in this team. And yeah, it, it, if you start looking at non-penalty goals um, from last season, then you know if, if Willian or Pepe takes a couple of those penalties off him, it it might come down, but yeah, assuming we get another 30 plus game season, I, I see 22, 23 goals from him. Because if you think about it, to get to 23, let's say he does goals equals XG. He doesn't beat his XG this season. He would need nine more expected goals or eight, eight or nine to get to 23 goals. That's, I mean, that's like a what 60% increase in his output of XG. So he would have to be playing and we would have to be playing as an attacking force, not a little better substantially better for him to hit that number. And that would be a great sign. I think we will play better. I think he will play better. I think he will get more chances. And yet, as a result of the amount of overperformance in the last season, I think he will come down just a little bit. Uh, Paul, settle the argument over under 21 and a half. Everybody else is over. I am uh, under. Under. Um, mm-hmm. I'd say Pessimist like 19 What was that? Yeah. <laughs> I'd say like 19 or so. Mm-hmm. Um and I don't think it's because he's going to be worse. And uh, I, I think we'll produce more. I, I think the bigger factors are going to be that maybe he doesn't start every bloody game and play every minute. I mean, can either we're going to give up, like if we sell Lacazette, okay, that creates a spot for an experienced starter to play uh, there between whatever reshuffle will come up with, but it just seems like Arteta likes Aubameyang from the left, the space he can run into. Um, so I don't think it's a function of Lacazette being around. So mm. I just think goals will come from a few other places. Um, Arteta will have a license to do a little more rotation to keep uh, Aubameyang one year older, uh, just as Oh, I, I promise you he'll keep him one year older. I, I don't think yeah, there's yeah. any chance he'll he'll not be one year older. You know? Got that covered. Um, but and, and so I'll uh, I'd also like to add a throwaway comment that that 
that's against our philosophy as a uh, as a podcast. But you look at the chances of Amiang missed this year. I know he's well over his XG, and I know this isn't how you know there there are no oh you can't miss that. But my God, some of the chances he missed while way overperforming his XG. It's just this mentally, it's this weird trap for me. I mean, if I didn't know about XG, I'd say. Aubameyang is going to score more next year because he'll have more chances and the shit he missed this year. Now, he, he scored some great goals, but not impossible goals. The goals he got were, you know, him, uh, Henri-esque, curling them in, but he can do those. It's not like, it, they, they aren't these weird, fantastical goals he can't score. So, I Well, it, and also, I'll tell you this. I think... Without, I think you'll see more players outperform their XG without fans in the stands. I think it is more like a training session when the fans aren't there. I think the players are calmer. They don't have the pressure. I think I know mentality is not everything, but the pressure of those fans screaming at you and the the, the excitement of the moment and the energy of the moment it, it ratchets up the tension and the nervousness more when it's an empty stadium. And I'm saying, speaking from experience here, obviously as someone who has played both professional football and been at a lot of football grounds. Um, I think, you know, you just look look at the penalty shootout in the community shield. Every single one in the corner. I mean, it's it's to me that there's no way that happens without um without the fans. I'm gonna go to you, Clive, real quick and then back to you, Paul Clive. Go. I will say, I remember when we played Villa in that game, and I'm thinking as someone who's been to Villa a few times, we were trying to get that equalizer. I know what it's like in that ground, and I was thinking, I wish we had our fans here to give those mm. boys a bit of a lift. Do you know what I mean? That's true. It can come both ways, right? Game, yeah. Get back into that game. And then one last point about Yang, I think it's really key we do what we did towards the end of last season. We overload the left-hand side of the pitch. We had Maitland-Niles working on that side of him. It's Maitland-Niles or Saka. But what that means is Yang is no longer going back to the corner flag, helping out his left back. Mm. I think that's really key that he's fresh and available to do what he needs to do. And I don't think it's any coincidence once we landed on that left side overload system, that he became more efficient. I think he improved. I think he's improving. I think the most important thing we do, wherever he plays, is we take the workload away. Because that's times he was our best defender and our best attacker and our, and our creator. Yeah. That's not sustainable. That isn't sustainable. Yeah, to be fair, I mean, if you really wanted to bet the over-under here, the other reason to bet the under, other than just XG regression, is there's always the chance the guy in his 30s doesn't play 30, doesn't start 36 games, right? I mean, like, the the nightmare scenario for Arsenal is Oba breaks down, and I, I don't think it'll happen, and I certainly hope it won't happen, but you can't rule it out. You can't rule it out for any player, let alone a player who has played so much football without really a break this... I mean, granted, he had the break during the pandemic, so ignore me, but you, you get my point. I mean, that would be in the frame as an outcome as well. Paul, you had uh, a little quick comment on the running hot or cold on XG thing, I think. Yeah, it wasn't that quick, though. No, it was. Okay. Um, it please, was a, please be quick. <laughs> wanted to support your your training ground feel to football games without the crowds. That just the the goal that flashed into my mind was Aubameyang's chip over Zuma, which like if they'd had one of those those uh, Arsenal dot com headlines of uh, Alba sco- scores a worldie in training, you'd look at it and say, yeah, but it was training. It it was the way he was so relaxed. You mean where he leaves abs- him for dead, like drags it back the other way, kind of like Messi on Boateng, that one? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Chips it over him. And it's like so relaxed. Now, I don't think he was particularly relaxed at the time, but it definitely had that feel of a, a goal he does 100 times in training, but, you know, that a player can't re- reproduce on the pitch. So maybe 
maybe it gives and and it takes away this kind of the the no crowd there. I agree with Clive's point too, though. Sometimes you need the crowd urging you on, but sometimes it works. Yeah, look, I mean, you hear stories of of players in the tunnel and they hear the fans and they're about to walk out there in front of the stadium and they throw up in the tunnel. Like you hear stories about that, like the nerves and and the energy. Shit their pants. Yeah, you you piss them. There's also stories where you walk into a ground and you look at you look around, especially particularly in European finals. You think, yeah, we're we're winning. You know, semi-finals. You can just see just by the crowd and the noise it's making. I, I, I can remember being in Copenhagen like, in, when we won against Parma. I knew we were winning that game before the game. Mm. We, had, we had three sides of the ground. We had to win. Right? So you, crowd makes a difference. It really does. I promise. Yeah. And I guess the thing is I'm focusing on the ways that not having the crowd can make it easier, but I'm ignoring the ways that having the crowd can can make you bigger than you are. Yeah, go ahead, Tim. Let's let's wrap up this section. Yeah, I, I guess I just wanted to say with Aubameyang, the, the thing that might bring his total down is if... The, yeah, if the attack's better, if if Willian adds the kind of 10 goals I've got him for, maybe that takes five goals off of Aubameyang because what actually works quite nicely for Aubameyang personally at the moment is everything goes through him. Arsenal's sole attacking tactic for two seasons now has basically been, fuck, I hope Aubameyang does something. And if we get a more rounded attack, we might get more goals as a team and that might take a few away from him, which which is fine. And I think he'd find that fine as well. Yeah, and I will tell you that we are now through seven sections with just 15 left to go. So here's what we're going to do. What's our over under on how many sections we get through? uh, About seven. We're going to uh, hit a couple quick ones, and then we're going to make this a two-parter, which is great. Of course it should be. It's a season preview, it's a season prediction pod. Let me give you some of the ones we still have left, and we'll do a couple more. Pepe goals, Cedric starts, Maitland-Niles starts, Gabriel starts, Saliba starts, Ozil starts, Ozil assists, Nketiah goals, Nketiah starts, Saka goals, Willick starts, player of the season, most improved, breakout player, and the villain, because there always has to be a villain of the piece. So all of those things are still to come, but they are not all to come today. Uh, but as we wrap up, let's let's do a couple salacious ones real quick just for fun and then save some big ones for the next part. So uh, real quick, Cedric starts. Over under, 14.5, Paul. No one will be admitted during the Paul making mouth noises section of the podcast. Uh, salacious salacity. <laughs> um, I'm going to go just under. Just under. Uh, yeah, I think 12, 13, something like that. Mm-hmm. I have to pick a number, though, don't I? So I'll go with 13. 13. Okay. Um, in Of those 13 games, assume we lose all of them, right? I'm just kidding. My, my Cedric thing, definite, that's, that's a bit look, at this point. I want to be clear. I definitely that. like him a lot more than you, Elliot. I mean, by virtue of like breathing air, that is the I don't case. know why we bought him. I don't yeah. like the deal. Yeah. Uh, unless they knew something we didn't. Uh, can, can, but can I, I think he's good. And he to be clear, yeah. this, this over-under pres- number, 14.5, presumes that someone's going. Either it's Maitland-Niles or it's Bellerin. I think it's Bellerin. I think he's going to go. It's heartbreaking. We can get into that another time. Uh, Clive, over under 14.5 for Cedric. Yeah, about 12, but I do think he'll play a lot of uh, cup games, shall we say? We stay yeah. in the cups. Mm-hmm. Um, and how seriously we take them. Carabao Cup looks a bit dodgy at the moment. Um, Leicester, so, yeah. yeah, and then we got onto the Europa League. So I think he's going to get plenty of appearances, but may not all come in the Premier League. That's about right. Tim, over under 14.5. 
uh, under. He's um, whoever goes. He's the second choice right back. Completely agree with Clive. His appearances, I think, will largely be in the cups, Premier League, unless there's an injury. Under. Got a number? Just out of your, um, your mind. Six. Okay, way under. Um, so. This is a tough one for me because I think we will sell someone and then it comes down to who have we sold. And if we sell Bellerin, which I think we might, the Maitland-Niles thing is interesting. Yeah. Because big games, I love him. He hasn't shown yet that he can be the attacking force that you need in these smaller games. We brought up a lot that our, our ceiling is based on beating up the lesser teams. Arteta's on record that Cedric is the best fullback we have in the final third. I mean, look, he may just be saying that to big up a move that he didn't even love. Who knows? But he is on record saying that, and I do think that to win those games against the smaller teams, the fullbacks have to be attacking. They can't just be defensive. We saw in Manchester United, Juan Bissaka is a great player, but he holds them back in attack. And, you know, I, I don't think we need a Juan Bissaka. I think we need, you know, a Trent Alexander-Arnold. Now, we don't have that. Very few player teams have that. Maitland-Niles has a big future, potentially, but is that future as a dynamic attacking fullback? I think he may start a lot early, and as we see him struggle in the attack, Cedric may take more of a role in doing that. We might see him play a lot of smaller games, actually. Uh, and maybe it will be the Cups that give him the platform to show that he can do that. So while I'm not a Cedric fan, I'm going to say over. I think they split the season fairly closely. I'm going to say he's actually at around 18 starts. And again, this is predicated on Bellerin being gone, which is heartbreaking, but it is what it is. I think if Bellerin goes, you're right. Mm. And I think if, if it's Maitland-Niles who goes... You'd be wrong. All right, let's end on one that'll burn our mentions. I'm always a fan of trying to burn our mentions as much as possible on every podcast. So, Clive, Mesut Ozil starts over under 8.5 league starts. Under. Mm, okay. And I'd rather not talk about him, to be honest. <laughs> You're not um, protecting your mentions on this podcast. <laughs> as he drains finances. How many do you think he'll play? Out without taking any football responsibility for his performances. Um, I think he'll play. I, I honestly Start. don't think that story's over yet. Okay. So maybe zero? So. Yeah, maybe zero. All right, zero. Um, I'm going to let stay with you for the next section then. Over under Ozil assists with his zero starts. Uh, 4.5 <laughs> assists. I'm going to put you down for under and Look, zero. You know, you know I don't like these topics, right? I'm, putting, I'm, putting doing my best. Yeah. I'm doing my best. You nailed it. Uh, you um, nailed that section. You could be right. Look, he, he may not play at all. And and I, I think that there's still an effort on the part of the club to make that a reality. I think it is very interesting that he played a behind-closed-doors, not-reported, not-live-stream friendly that we lost, by the way. Uh, 3-2. Was it to Villa? Villa, yep. Villa yeah. Um, and I, I mean, I tweeted that it was three Cedric own goals, and someone else tweeted out, I saw later, they said, oh, I heard it was three Cedric own goals. I'm like, you just can't tell any jokes on Twitter anymore, man. Um, Tim... Ozil starts over under 8.5. Under in the Premier League. Um, mm -hmm. I think he might have a couple. I, I think we'll see him in the Cups. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So then so, o o Ozil assists over under 4.5. You're way under as well. Yeah, One. yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, he was, he, he's been under that for the last couple of seasons anyway, even when he's played. Even when he, he played, so. yeah. Um, Paul, over under 8.5 starts. Under. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen there. I don't. Uh, I don't think you can get back to a halfway house where he's kind of playing every second game or every third game. Uh, it's not tenable. The center cannot hold. It's interesting, right? Because between William and Saka and Oba and Pepe, 
Um, I think that's, you know, Martinelli when he comes back. But if Lacazette sold, I mean, that's the group. And if we play the back three, there's no place for Mesut Ozil. But if he and Arteta come together, and I don't know that they have, but if they do in any material way, if they come together and he's with the team and we do try to switch to a back three, uh, pardon me, a, a midfield three, there is a role for him. And all it would take is a Willian injury, you know, or a Saka injury, and you look at this team and you say, well, he can play El Nenny, he can play Joe Willock, and I mean, he was not shy about playing Joe Willock, you know, but like, can we can we afford, with the way we're making win-now moves, to not get top four? We're going to be pushing the boat out to get top four. That's going to be the goal. If Ozil and Arteta get on the same page, there's going to be a temptation to play him. Now, I said this in the Discord. Messin Ozil off-pitch issues have cost him his Arsenal career the last couple of seasons. There's no question about that. It's not on-pitch, it's off-pitch. But, in terms of on-pitch, he's a 32-going-on-33-year-old player with back issues. So the idea that if he just works it out behind the scenes, he'll come back and be good, I think is wish-casting at this point. And look, when he played a lot for Emery, he played pretty well. Not great, don't get me wrong, but it, he, he was useful. He could do things. If we want to press, if we want to be front-footed, we already know that's not his strength. And now you have back issues, you have him into his 30s. You know, a lot of people think of Ozil as this sort of mercurial playmaker who flits around the pitch into space and just dishes the ball. Like, watch Mesut Ozil videos from when he's younger. It's real burst. It's real acceleration. It's re He was going past guys. Like, Mesut Ozil was not just some technical butterfly on the pitch. He had physicality and pace to his game. I'm not saying he was like a, a, you know, a raw athlete, but he could beat people off dribble. There was, there was like, I think early when he arrived, there was some... Um, pace, you know, foot race data that was posted, and he was up there. So that's all gone now. And so I I, I don't know that Mesut Ozil, even if he's in the team a lot, can do what we remember. But I, I could weirdly see a path where he's more in the team. So I'm going to say over. And I'm going to say nine starts. But I'm going to say under on the assist because I, I just... You know, I mean, look, getting four and a half assists from nine starts would be hard to begin with. I'll say maybe there's three assists in him this season. I think it'll be a season where he's in the team and he does some things okay, but we we finally fully realize that the Mesut Ozil that we would like to still have just isn't there anymore. And Paul, before I go to you, Clive, it looked like you wanted to add to that just a bit. Yeah, I just want to say, you know, obviously, talent-wise, we all know he's, he's got wonderful talent and we can't deny it because some of the things he does with the football are amazing, right? His pictures and his vision and... Amazing. But he has such a unique way of playing football. He demands you to play his way. Great point. Yeah, and I, I think that. that goes against all of the footballing principles and non-negotiables that we've been seeing. Everything I've said today has been talking about a base that's been laid. It's, it's really unfair on him, but he's a type of player, just by him being there, destroys the base that you've been laying for the last half last season. Unless he can buy into the base principles, and it just can't happen. You know, I don't think. I think it will take away something and will allow other people to what to redefine their non-negotiables. And I think that's the last thing that can happen on it, Arteta's team. So that's my view on it. So. It's a really good point, right? I mean, like if you want to build a really strong identity around your system and your philosophy. Mesut is not a player who slots into a system and a philosophy. He's a player around which a system and philosophy must be developed. Um, 
so yeah, I, I mean, it it is tough when you pay someone that much. There's a lot of pressure to just find a role for him. I really credit Arteta for cauterizing that wound, so to speak, and just isolating him and Ganduzi in the way he did at the end of last season, saying, I got to build something here and I can't have these distractions. With Ganduzi, you can move on from it, even if, unfortunately, you take a huge discount on what he should be worth. With Ozil, I don't know. And, um, you know, I, I think I think he's here to stay. We have another year of him. And if Arteta and here are on the same page, I think he will try to use him, although I think the effectiveness will be limited. Paul, you want to give a over-under 8.5 and 4.5 on starts and assists? Um, so he's under... Uh, I mean, he'd be close to zero, I think. Hmm. Um, either well, that it or either zero, or it's a lot more than zero. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, like yeah. either he's in the team or he's not. And if he's in the team, it's not going to be one start. I, I just can't yeah. see. Yeah, and that. we should remember that while we played four at the back, uh, he liked Ozil. He played him basically every game. Uh, he liked him more than we did because he was playing him when we thought. It, you know, there were games he was okay. There were games he was good. There were games he was sucked. He sucked, but, uh, you know, Arteta never blinked. So, yeah. Uh, but then on the other hand, he'd come back to a team where I don't see how the players we we all like and have been bought and have been confirmed as the go-forward plan play. I don't know how Willian and Pepe and Aubameyang and Lacazette and Enkedia and Saka and when Martinelli comes back in the new year, I don't know how they all get on the pitch mm. uh, with a bunch of starts. So um, I just, I've, Ozil makes no sense to me what, what, how he would get games or whatever, but I guess there could be a, a rapprochement. Um, and, but, but it'll just like the options, great to have options, but he, the main issue against that is he's the most different of all those players. He's the one who'd really cause us to play a different system. So mm. I I think it'll be low. And number of assists, low. What was the over-under on assists? 4.5. Yeah, low. Uh, two if he plays. Mm. Okay. I, I just don't think he'll play a lot. Well, I think that should just about do it then. I think we'll, we'll leave it there for this podcast. And um, I think... What we'll do is we'll make it a two-parter. So still to come is player of the season, most improved, breakout player, villain. Uh, we still have metrics uh, to go through with, or predictions to go through with Pepe, Maitland-Niles, Gabriel, Saliba, and Kedia, Saka, and Willock. So uh, part two, three, four, and five coming later this week. Uh, I'm kidding. We'll, we're knocking that next one out in one go. Um, so guys, are we going to say it this season? Are we going to say it the 2020-2021 season? 2020, Not if I can avoid it. Because, <laughs> right? Because, I mean, like, it was the 2019, 2020 season. And now it's the 2020, 2020, 2021. Uh, was that too many? 2020, 2021 season. We don't want to say that, right? If we can avoid it? No. 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 I agree. 2021 will be fine. Yeah. Okay. So this week, still to come, uh, part two of this, we'll have more of a just qualitative discussion about what to expect. We'll do a little bit on some transfers. There's still a lot more to come, uh, along with the start of the season. So we're excited about it. The 2020, 2020, 2020, 2021 season is almost here. Part two of the predictions will come up later this week. We love you. We'll talk to you after Arsenal 10. Full of news.